Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. This is a podcast from Minute Media. You're listening to the Eyes on Isles podcast with Matt O'Leary and Mitch Anderson. Hello and welcome to the Eyes on Isles podcast, episode number 216. What's going on? I am Matt O'Leary with Mitch Anderson. Mitch, what's up, buddy? I don't have any funny stories to share of of my week, but I'm, I'm just peeked behind the curtain reading our Manscaped uh ad read here There's and in red it's like host to talk about the time when he's hurt his balls while trimming below <laughs> the waist or funny ball trimming story i don't i don't have any of those i don't know about you guys or, or girls like i i don't really I, i've never really kind of like oh my god i've opened up a big gash here like yeah i, I maybe you know cut myself a little bit it wasn't anything embarrassing or awful like uh, so i'm just reading that and going like i hope there isn't someone out there who has like a new story for every week of ad reads no yeah god forbid i i am happy to announce have not had an issue with that and i too since you know the, this work from home life man I, i'm not living a very exciting life there's not a whole lot of tales um I did go to Texas last week, but I did. I felt like I talked about that on the patron show. So your Tex-Mex. Oh. What did you eat? Because that picture you had, if if anyone hasn't seen it, go to your your. Oh my god! It was this big taco that looked delicious. Yeah, it was a burrito bowl actually. Oh. Uh, it it was tremendous. So we went to this place called Taco Go Go on the outside of Houston. Uh, it was like this little hole in the wall, and it was by far the best Tex-Mex food I've ever had in my entire life. Like if you're going to do it, you got to find some, like, like I said, a little hole in the wall on the outskirts of the city. It's somewhere in, in Southern Texas. Oh, the food was to die for Mitch. If you like Mexican food or like that Tex-Mex style, it was so good. The margaritas, man. I don't know if you're a margarita guy. I had, um, what did I have? Straw, I guess strawberry and, uh, my girlfriend Taylor had mango, tremendous, just yeah, aw- awesome, just ten out of ten. I would love to go back. I want to go back to a uh, different city in Texas next time. But I, I loved Houston, awesome, awesome town, and uh, good people. Yeah, absolutely, it sounds amazing. My my best Tex-Mex was in Iceland. <laughs> okay, that's about as far away <laughs> as you can get from, as from Mexico as possible. I think, man. It's. A restaurant, it was called Santa Maria on Logovic. It's like their one big, like, walking street right down through the heart of Reykjavik. And the burrito that I had there with the two sauces on each side, it was amazing. 
I was so excited to go back to, to, to Iceland and specific Reykjavik to just get Santa Maria, and it was closed. It was oh, no longer there, buddy. No. I was trip ruined, ruined because that place wasn't there. I was looking so forward to it. Call, call it a trip. It's all over. It's all, let's pack it in. We're going back home, the wife and kids. <laughs> Why? We just got here. I don't care. Santa Maria's not here. It's over. So you teased it, man. Let, let's get to it. Let's get to the re- Autumn is in the air. The pumpkins are in the patch and in your coffee, apparently. That's gross. Uh, and our friends at Manscaped are here to make sure you don't carve your pant pumpkins Mm-mm. when you're grooming. If you know what I'm saying. Oops, I read that wrong. If you know what I'm saying, and you should. Like, that was pretty uh, an obvious pun right there. Like, if you don't know what I'm talking about when it comes to pants pumpkins, you haven't been paying attention. Uh, anyways, make sure you're keeping things fresh this fall with the leaders in male grooming and their brand new fourth generation performance package. Boys, get ready for a cuffing season like no other. What is cuffing? Is that a term I've never heard oh before? Oh my god, you old person. Cuffing? <laughs> It's like, okay, well, we'll finish this. You, okay, you have yeah. to educate me on what cuffing is. Yep. Uh, ready to take the leap into fall with Manscaped? You should be. Join the 2 million men worldwide using Manscaped by going to manscaped.com for 20% off plus free shipping using code FANSIDED20. That's F A N S I D E D 20 for 20% off and free shipping with code FANSIDED20. Do it. Get that fourth generation performance package. It is. Chef's kiss. What the hell is cuffing? Okay, well, before we get into that, I have to... Do you know what, like, hot girl summer is? I've heard it. I don't know what it means. Okay. Well, okay, so then this is going to all kind of loop together. So there's one big education for Mitch and, and anyone else, I guess, over the age of, I don't know, what, 30 maybe? So 37? Come on. <laughs> so, okay, we'll start hot girl summer. So that's just a phrase. Most of the time, people want to be like having fun, single, going to bars and stuff like that in the summertime. So you don't want to be like attached or hunkered down or whatever phrase you want to throw in here. But, you know, weather starts to change. It starts to get a little cold, you know, snuggle weather, rainy day, you know, all that stuff. Cuffing, that's like when you want to get together. You want to be, you know, in a relationship. Is that a term for, like, you've put the cuffs on, so you're now stuck together? My goodness, people. Relationships aren't the end of the world. I want to see if I could find the exact urban dictionary. It just sounds like, oh, the the old chain and ball is like that. I hate that term so much. I also hate happy wife, happy life. I hate that so much. Yes, my wife should be happy. We should all be happy. But, like, it it shouldn't be just the the one. I, I just hate that term. I hate using it. Anyways, I agree. So. The The exact urban dictionary, by the way, for a cuffing season is the cold season where everyone's cuddling up. So you settle for a new boyfriend or girlfriend way below your standards. Or you're one of the smart ones who cozies up with Coors Light and your pupper, BFF. Oof, water and puppers. Sugared water, really. Anyways, so <laughs> on, on that, let's get to some <laughs> Islanders. It's not related at all. I'm just trying to change the subject as quickly as possible here. off the rails in the first few minutes of episode 216 but we have a lot to get to because the regular season is inching so much closer mitch and uh i think we should start with the top line i really want to talk about it you had a tremendous article by the way this week and twitter thread uh that i hope you talk about in this segment because I, I thought is really important to bring up but um apparently islanders fans aren't the only ones i saw on twitter i forget who it was and 
I met him. I'm kicking myself because I don't remember who it was in the national media was talking about how he thought the Lee Barzell Palmieri line was going to be dangerous. And uh, it was David Amber, by the way. Thank you. And uh, well, that's what we'll start with. What a why do we think that? Why does he think that? And let's uh, let's jump in. Well, I think we have to start with what that line did last year. And of course, that line is was not the same last year. We had Eberle there, uh, but you have. Anders Lee and Matthew Barzell were dynamite, electric factory last year. One of the better lines in the NHL. Not, of course, in terms of generating production in terms of numbers, uh, but they had solid expected goals for numbers. They had solid underlying numbers. They were a dominant line when the two were out there. Now add Eberle and made it even better. But now you add Jordan, uh, not Jordan Eberle, sorry, Kyle Palmieri to the mix. And with all due respect to Jordan Eberle, who is a solid player. Yep. Kyle Palmieri complements that line better, not just in terms of what he brings to the table relative to the other skill sets already there, but what he brings to the table in virtue of how these two operate within the confines of the Islanders system. Yeah, that's such a good point that you have to bring up here and what the Islanders are trying to do. I think Kyle Palmieri fits that to a T. Uh, this line, I think, is going to be a little bit more physical because Jordan Eberle, not nearly as physical of a player of Kyle Palmieri. And again, not a knock on Jordan Eberle. Really good player, good top six right wing guy. But when you're looking at what the Islanders are, are, are trying to do and what they're best at, they are a big physical team who likes to give other teams a beating. And that's what this line could do with both Lee and Palmieri now banging around and Barzal with a ton of space just, you know, doing his thing. And. I mean, last year, before Anders Lee went down, Barzal and Lee had a really nice one-two punch going. They were really, really good. And I, I think Palmieri can fill the Eberle role uh, quite well. And I, I do have you know high hopes for this line, and I do see the potential here. I think it could be really good. Well, absolutely. And when we talk about like these stylistic um, benefits of having a Kyle Palmieri versus a Jordan Eberle, Jordan Eberle is a really good rush player. I wouldn't say really good, but he's a better rush player than, say, Kyle Palmieri. But the Islanders don't operate on the rush. They're not a rush team. They are a forecheck team. They get the puck in, they cycle it around, and that's how they create their opportunities. They won't get you on the rush frequently. And if they do, of course, Matthew Barzell is the one to do it. Uh, so it, it does make sense to have someone like Jordan Eberle there with him instead of Kyle Palmieri, I suppose. But at, at that point, like Matthew Barzell is already doing that, doing his thing. Like it doesn't really matter that much. Ninety percent of the time, though, they're creating offense off the forecheck. So when you have a guy like Kyle Palmieri out there, that does the team a lot of good. So you have a guy who's going to get physical down low, who's going to create a space as well as Anders Lee, and a guy who also likes to you know shoot from perimeter, which isn't something that Jordan Eberle does. No. It's definitely not, and I think that's almost a good way to transition to some of the numbers that you pulled because I, I think you know a lot of people were saying that Anders Lee and Kyle Palmieri are, are too similar. They're both net front presence guys, and while Kyle Palmieri, I guess, could be classified as a net front presence guy, it's not really anywhere close to the same level. So can we go through that a little bit and kind of differentiate that because I think it's important to bring up. Yeah, so in terms of what you consider a net front guy, I don't see that from Kyle Palmieri. I don't, I don't see it. It's not to say he doesn't get in front of the net. He does. But any self-respecting forward does that. That's what you're taught to do, right? Like whenever you read a scouting report on any kid, 
they, a lot of them, like one of the knocks you might find is he generates too much from the perimeter, doesn't drive the lane, doesn't get in front of the net. And now we're knocking Kyle Palmer for doing the opposite. Oh, he gets to the net too much. That's what, that's what you're supposed to do. But the, the numbers. When I looked at just shot maps, because I wanted to figure out where do the shots come from for both players? So that's Anders Lee and Kyle Palmieri. For Anders Lee, 38% of his shots, this is career, not just a specific season, career. 38% of his shots come from the slot. So that's the area just in front of the, the goalie's crease and kind of like towards the face-off dots on each side, right? So think of the baseball plate in front of the net. 38% of his shots come from there. 25% of his shots come from right in front of the net. So that's either right along the crease below the crease, or I guess within the crease, or um, just around the net itself. So think of immediately in front of the net, 25% of his shots come from there. For Kyle Palmieri, it's 25% in the slot and 16% in front of the net. So still high, right. but not Anders Lee-esque, right? He drops 13% from the slot and 9% in front of the net. And that is split up to the sides where he's got 17 from the left flank, 18 from the right, compared to... Anders Lee's eight and nine. Right. Clearly, Anders Lee is doing his damage from like very much so right in front of the net, which that's not, it's not a critique of Anders Lee. It's just stylistically, that's what he does and why, you know, what makes him so successful as a net front presence guy. Palmieri just yeah. offers more, I I, I think, is in, which is what we've been saying all along, but actually having the data to prove that. I, I think, again, I, I said it, a million times already, but I feel like it's important to bring up to show like, hey, these guys actually do things a little bit differently. And um, Palmieri, I, I feel like his shot's been a little underrated by a lot of people. Absolutely, right? Like, I, I know there is a video. I don't know if I stitched it together or if I just highlighted it. Um, but his his power play performance is what I was really looking at to show that he's, a, he's more of a perimeter guy. The Islanders were not using him on the perimeter when it came to the power play, and that's one of his strengths. That's where he scores most of his goals, on the power play. Uh, and, and so then I, I took that, and I kind of ran with it and did the same experiment um, when it comes to uh, the shot maps. I did it with the goal maps. For Anders Lee, again, in the slot, 46%. All right, that makes sense. Again, for any player, you're going to see a high percentage of their goals coming from the slot. That's the high danger area. That's the, that's the bread and butter for any forward. They're going to score primarily from there. But when you go down a little bit to around the net, like I was talking about before, for Anders Lee, 34%. 34% of his goals career-wide come from that immediate uh, circle around the net itself, which you're nodding your head because you're like, yeah, of Duh, course, yeah. that makes a whole lot of sense. No, of course. When, when you look at what he does, I mean, that, that that's it. That's, again, and we just said it. It's not a knock on him. It's just that's who he is. Yeah, and that's perfectly fine. That's what Anders Lee does. Cool, great. Now, the argument is, does Kyle Palmieri do the same thing? No. When it comes to that immediate circle in front of the net, 22%. So we've already dropped 12% for Kyle Palmieri. And then in the slot itself, it's 41%. So still high, but again, forward score from that area. But what I want to draw attention to is to the perimeter, to the outside. On both the left and the right, Kyle Palmieri is converting. Maybe not converting, but like the ratio of goals coming from the left and right is 10% each. For Anders Lee, it's 3% combined. Yeah, I mean, I, that's that's a stark difference. Exactly. So it, it's not to say that Kyle Palmieri does not go to the net. 
No, it's to add the idea that he does do that because every self-respecting forward does. But he adds, like you mentioned earlier, that extra element to the perimeter, which the Islanders need. Jordan Eberle did not do that. I had the the graph earlier, and I'm just trying to bring it up now. But Jordan Eberle's numbers from in the slot is like 50% and low single digits on the perimeter. The guy just went to the slot. And of course, that's fine. But he wasn't generating outside of that. And Kyle Palmieri does. So then I, I really, based off that analysis alone, I feel like you can make a really strong case that Kyle Palmieri might be better suited to go along with Anders Lee and Matt Barzal than Jordan Eberle, no? That's that's my exact point. Yes, absolutely. So Jordan Eberle's numbers, 50% from the slot, 27% from around the net. So that's higher than, than Palmieri, not by a whole lot. And then four, a combined 10% from the left and right for uh, Everly. It was 20% for Kyle Palmieri combined. There you so, go. So, yeah. Like, he's just a better fit all around. And again, it's not to say, like you mentioned earlier, that Jordan Everly is some sort of chump that, you know, shouldn't have ever played there. No, it's that this guy, Kyle Palmieri, gives them something they didn't have before. So when you see the argument, like, this line is going to be good, yeah, absolutely. But when you also see the argument like, we have a duplication of efforts between Anders Lee and Kyle Palmieri, eh, no, we don't. No, it'd be a little different if it was, I don't know, Anders Lee and James Van Riemsdyk on the same line. Then maybe we're having a different conversation here. <laughs> yeah, there'd be Spider-Man meme all over the place. <laughs> or, I don't know, 2017 Jeff Skinner. <laughs> right? The exact same type of player. No, they, they are not. There, there's not going to be an issue of like, what are you doing here? Who's who's helping Matt around the perimeter? No, it, it's fine. It, it's going to be absolutely fine. And so that skill set that Kyle Palmieri brings to the table is just going to enhance what those two other guys do already. Good. And I'm kind of I'm excited to hear that the the numbers and the analytics kind of back that up a little bit because I, I feel like both of us have been excited about the potential of that line for a little while here. But as we do a little bit more digging and as the season gets closer and as we finally see them together for the first time, uh, I think it's becoming a little bit more real, which is kind of cool. Absolutely. And we have to remember that Barry Trotz took his time here. When, when it comes to adding players to the roster, there's always that learning curve, right? We see guys take a while and struggle for a couple of weeks learning how to adapt their game to this system and fit with everyone else around them. Well, Kyle Palmieri doesn't have to have that adaptation period. He already had it last year. We saw how he changed from the regular season to the playoffs and now you're bringing him in fully rested and ready to go on the top line, look out. I'm not going to say he's going to put up 30 plus to 40 goals, but to put up his 25, yeah, I see that happening for sure. Yeah, absolutely. And and that's just the thing, right? Like, if he scores 30, phenomenal. That's just another one. But uh, I, I think we should absolutely just go in with the expectation of, okay, here's someone who's going to give you 25. You know what Matt Barzell is going to do. And Anders Lee, I mean... Before he got hurt, he was on pace to looking like the guy that he was just a couple of years ago. If he's giving you 30 goals, then you're golden. Exactly, right? So, yeah, he had, what, 19 points in 27 games? My God, really? Okay, and then pace that out over 82. That's a 58-point player. That's not a career high, but that's pretty damn close, right? His career high is 62, by the way. That's pretty damn good. Yeah, that is. Absolutely. I'll sign up for that. Right, so if you got a 60-point player in Anders Lee... 
you know, I'm rounding up here, and probably something close to 60 point player and Kyle Palmieri on the other on the other wing. What is Matthew Barzal going to be doing? 70, maybe 80 points? That's a pretty good line for the New York Islanders. Yeah, hell yeah, absolutely. I'll sign up for that in a second, especially like when you compare some of the lines that they've been putting out there. Uh, even in this era, I was going to go back to say like some of their top lines when like John Tavares was around and they were like a 100-point team in the playoffs. But hell, even just want to go this past year with Leo Komarov up top in the playoffs? Like that's just a f- mere months ago, Mitch. Right. I had uh, I made a podcast appearance recently. It hasn't come out just yet, but it, it should be coming out soon. And, and the host asked me, like, what do the Islanders need to do differently in the playoffs this year? And I was like, honestly, nothing. Because no, they're getting Anders Lee back. So you have that top line of Anders Lee Barzal instead of Leo Komarov Barzal. That's a wild, massive upgrade. Just doing that alone on paper is, is, is massive for them. Yeah, I mean, you lost. Game seven, one nothing on a shorthanded goal. I, I don't think you're really changing much, right? And then you, like you mentioned, Leo was there for a while, so you have the regular season as well. Uh, and they still won; they still did well. Uh, so you add Anders Lee there, who was on maybe not a pace for a career high year, but pretty close to it. Look out, guys! Like th- this is going to be a really good line for this team, uh, assuming they stay healthy, of course. But this this could be a really impactful line for the New York Islanders. Yeah, without a doubt. Absolutely. I'm, I'm excited for it. I'm glad, like, it's not just Islanders fans who are talking about it, that it's, you know, some national people, too, who are like, hey, this is a this is a big deal. Yeah, and if you don't know who David Amber is, he's a pretty big deal here in Canada. So Hockey Night in Canada, he, he's there. Uh, he is a big deal for him to say that. Um, that. That's big news, right? To anyone going like, the Canadian national media doesn't respect the Islanders. Well, David Amber just shouted out from the mountaintop. So, like, that narrative has to go to bed at least a little bit. Absolutely. Uh, Speaking of shouting from the mountaintops and people who usually disrespect the Islanders, uh, I think now would be a good time to transition into uh, something that's a a welcomed change for the Islanders. Right, Mitch? Wouldn't you say? I, I would definitely say so for sure. How do we feel about... Uh, models and, uh, you know, models being analytic models. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> All I could think of was the, oh, what TV show was that? Oh, my God. Arrested Development where Joe brings in a, a model and it's actually just a model. <laughs> Great show. Um, where <laughs> models like the Islanders for their playoff chances. For example, the athletic Don Lashusen put his out and. I mean, it, it, it loves the Islanders. It gives them a 36% chance of finishing first in the Metro. That's good. And like their projected record, 46, 27 and nine, 100 points round up to 101 points. Uh, that would be amazing. Absolutely outstanding. Uh, and, and it's something that even Dom says, like Islanders fans have been waiting for for a while because they have not gotten the respect of the analytics community well, since at least 2018, right? When everyone was kind of like, lols, the Islanders. Now it's kind of like, look out, the Islanders. Oh, it's very much so, look out, the Islanders. For, I feel like the first two years of Barry Trotz, it was, especially the first year, it was they're winning in in spite of the Islanders. Like, they're not going to be able to repeat this. This is ridiculous. Uh, And then last year, third year, was like, okay, there's clearly something here and then now getting ready to go into the fourth year it's uh well it's just very much so getting the respect that they deserve like this is a this is a good team 
Like, no, no matter how you slice it, this is a really, really good team. And it, it's nice to see the analytics showing it. Absolutely. And it's not that this kind of comes out of nowhere, right? Like, these numbers aren't just, like, spit into a computer and, like, we'll see what happens. Um, they use past results for everyone on the roster. And, and, and when you look at the Islanders' year last year, I'm not going to say they were an analytics darling, but they're doing things right by the analytics community. Sure. And by that, like expected goals for were, were up there. They were top 10 in the league for expected goals for. Um, and I'm just picking out one stat. And obviously all these things aren't based off of just one single stat. There's a lot of things that go into this. But expected goals for is one of those things that or one of those stats that maybe not are perfectly uh, predictive, but is as close as we can get to a predictive number. Uh, to just boil it down to one. And the Islanders, again, were top 10. And those those previous years, they were definitely not. So it makes a whole lot of sense to go like, well, this team is basically intact from last year, and they were really good last year, even on paper. It makes sense to give them this right or this ranking. Yeah, I mean, you look at it, not not a whole lot has changed. Sure, Nick Letty's out. Zdeno Chara in. That's probably the, the biggest change right there. And, and then, I mean... You're getting Anders Lee back. Like we talked about that just in the last segment, but that's a huge, huge deal. Not only just for his play on that top line, but leadership wise. Like I know sometimes that stuff gets a little overblown. I think the, the you know, chemistry and leadership and good guy in the room. Like I, I know sometimes you don't want to hear that, but I mean, with Lee, it, it really matters. I feel like it really does. And, and that, that really helps. Um, everyone feels it, right? Even the fans, right? You see him smashing that wall in the playoffs, and you're like, yep. let's go, baby. <laughs> you're not in the room even remotely, and you still get juiced up for it. Uh, but when you look at this roster, there's a lot of depth here of everywhere. Like, according to, to Dom's um, rankings here, they have the third best third line in the NHL and the fourth best top pair in the NHL. Yeah, that's excellent. And I I agree with the third line, by the way. I I can't tell you how excited I am to see the Parise-Pejo-Wallstrom line. Right? Like, you you have that is your third line. That is one hell of a third line. You've got at least two 20-goal scorers there, and probably all three could be 20-goal scorers this year with Zach Parise. And that's just kind of like me getting juiced up for the season. But, like, man, he looks good, and he's got a chip on his shoulders. Can he pop in 20? He might not, but he's going to get close, I think. I mean, if 2016 Jason or 2017 Jason Chimera can do it, why not Zach Parise? <laughs> good. Yep, absolutely. 100 uh, percent. Wow. Good pull. Um, yeah. So like the Islanders have depth. They have an identity. They play coherently and cohesively. I shouldn't say coherently. Cohesively. That's the word I, I really only wanted to use where they know what they're doing and they do it well. Uh, and they've been doing it for years now. The only thing that's going to stop the Islanders would be the Islanders, Islanders themselves, and by that I mean injuries. Yeah, and I mean we we've seen it with and Anders Lee and Adam Pellick and Casey Zekas. When those guys go down, it, it really matters. And to me, that's the that's the one thing that could derail this team. I don't think that they could bounce back like a Pittsburgh Penguins, who seems to just you know pull these guys you never heard of and put them in the top six, and they put up points. Um, I don't think the Islanders have that luxury, but what they do have is a, a bunch of really good role players in each one of their roles. Um, and Matt, Matt Barzell is a star. I think that's, that's fair to say. Yeah. Um, so 
if everything stays healthy and everything goes right, then you have a really, really damn good shot. Exactly. And so, and that's the big thing. Uh, he doesn't rank them very well. His model, I shouldn't say he does, but his model doesn't rank them well when it comes to the playoffs. Uh, specifically, Stanley Cup odds, I think they're at 5% Yeah, for the Stanley Cup. Uh, and if you haven't read it, please do. Um, I, I, I really don't like dissecting these articles that are behind paywalls necessarily. Um, but I, I think this is this is very important. Uh, they're at a five percent Stanley Cup run, but he he explains that in 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 his uh, article to be like, I think that that might be too low for them, uh, and, and he explains why it might be so low. Uh, but but the, the sense throughout it is that Dom believes in his model as he should. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there's still a chance that the Islanders can be maybe not better than what they say. But, but better than the model predicts, specifically when it comes to the playoffs. No, exactly. And I think one of the things that he mentioned, too, was that J.G. Pajot was a little underrated based on... Because uh, the, the model doesn't really take into account his uh, his playoff performances. So he's kind of like, hey, like some of these guys kind of have an extra switch in the, in the playoffs. And, you know, that could be a difference maker. I mean... For the last two years, you saw it with J.G. Pajot. Before the injury, he was on a freaking Conn Smythe pace, Mitch. Like, that's, <laughs> that's nuts right. to say, but he was. He was. And imagine, I know we're playing revisionist history here, but if he's not injured, do the Islanders go through? Maybe. That, they just might. They just might. Maybe. Right? They got to Game 7, and they lost on a shorthanded goal with a huge brain fart from the team. If they have their third-line winger who was, not winger, center, who was on a consmite pace playing at 100% or as close to when it comes to the playoffs. Oh my God, do they win that, that one nothing game? They have a pretty damn good chance of doing so. Yeah, no, uh, agree. So, I don't know. It's just really awesome to see um, the people, not necessarily him specifically, but just it very much for years felt like it was the Islanders versus the analytic community. Uh, and the fact that it was like, one of the main guys on a huge site like The Athletic talking about how good this team could be. And I felt good. It did. But then you have the evolving hockey or you know, so the evolving wild. I think it's evolving hockey projection that had the honors outside of the playoff picture and the devil's <laughs> second in the in the metro. <laughs> the devil's. Oh, yeah. Listen, know, I, the, I, the, the devil's. I don't know what, what that model saw. And I, we'll see this year. But I, I do not see the devil's being second in the metro. Listen, I love Dougie Hamilton like everybody, but I, I don't think they're going to be second in the Metro. I, I, I don't. If you want to make the case that maybe the Islanders aren't first, but they're they're third in the Metro, okay, fine. It's a, it's a good division. Maybe they end up third. But things would have to go really, 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 really wrong for them to miss the playoffs this year. Exactly. So I, I don't see it happening, of course, assuming they're healthy. But, yeah, it is nice to see. One of the big analytics models, and by big, I mean like the one that a lot of people refer to, uh, say like the Islanders are legit. Everyone needs to to notice them from day one. Not kind of like, oh my God, they've won a bunch of games. Look at the Islanders, everyone. No, no, this is before a puck has even dropped. Look out, the Islanders are legit. Absolutely. Anything else on either this model or any other in particular? No, I, I don't. I don't tend to look at too too many models, mainly because you know, the lack of respect usually. Um, but it, I mean, it is what it is. I, I, I like this model just cause I, I like Dom's writing. Uh, so it's, it, it's, it's nice to see the Islanders at the top of the list. Like they are. 
Absolutely. So how about down on the farm? What's going around in prospect world? Okay, well, Aturatu is back with uh, with Karapat. Uh, he didn't play a lot. He played 11 minutes on the third line. Uh, but I know a lot of people are going to go like, oh, my God, seal team, him, seal team six him out of there. And it's like, well, just, just hold on a second here. He's traveling, right? He had a camp. He's out of uh, the rhythm with the team. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't put too much stock into just that one game. Uh, and they lost 4-1. They were awful. Oh, sorry, it was 4-3, actually, that they lost. And it, it sounds a lot better than it actually was. Karpat was not very good on the day. Uh, so I, I imagine that ice time is going to go up as the season progresses. If it doesn't, then we've got a problem. Uh, at least temporarily, once he gets to North America, that problem will be rectified. Uh, but as it stands now, Aturatu is not playing a lot, but it's been one game, so let's let's chill on that one just a little bit. Yeah, I agree. I think it's probably pumped the brakes on that one, uh, especially a good point by you. Um, this is the first game back. Like, I'm sure they just want to get him in the swing of things. It's not like, I don't know. I don't, you obviously know this team better than I do, but I, I don't feel like they're in a position where it's like, oh my God, Thank God you're back. We're going to play you 20 minutes on the top line now. No, I, they're they're not in in that position. Uh, they're they're doing fine. I, I'm just bringing up the 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 leaderboard, not the leaderboard, but the table right now here. But Carpot is fourth in that league, right? Then they're like four points back of TPS for top spot. I don't okay. think that they'll they'll finish top spot anyways. They're not a top ranked team, but to finish in the top six is somewhere that Carpot should probably be aiming for. And so far, they're there. So I, I really, really, I wouldn't be too worried about it. But we'll see. If he's going to continue the season playing 11 minutes a night, then we've got a problem. It should trend toward 15 minutes, I would say. It seems more reasonable, I would think. Yeah, I, I agree. And like you said, if if this continues, then okay. But after one game, I'm not going to get bent out of shape over it. Yeah, and I don't, I watched the game and I, I don't remember him getting a ton of power play time either. Obviously, he got only 11 minutes of ice time. And you would think someone like him with his puck skills should be on the power play. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe not quarterbacking, of, of course, but at least someone who could retrieve the puck down low. So we'll see. He didn't have a particularly standout game either, uh, but like it's game one. I'm not really concerned about it at all. Okay. Anybody else? Uh, Henrik Tikkanen has moved. He mm-hmm. had his contract terminated by Kalpa and is now in Sweden playing with Modo in the Alsenskans. It's the same league that Bodie Wild is playing in. And I'm really confused by that. Do you take that as a, as a negative thing with him if his contract was terminated? Like, how do you interpret that? So it was terminated by mutual consent. So they both kind of came to the agreement like, okay, we're going to end this because this isn't working. But I don't really... The, the reason I'm confused is because when I spoke to their GM, like, I don't know, six, seven months ago, he said that we have a four-year plan with Henrik Tikkanen. Year one, play with the Messis team, that's Ipico, and then play with the Liga team a little bit, like he did last year. Year two, this year, play in Liga. They gave him one and three quarters, not even one and two-thirds of a game, and they said, like, we're good. What? Yeah, that's seems- or, 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 like, Henrik Tegenen's like, I don't want to be the backup. The, the, I don't understand, like, this was always going to be the role. Yeah, clearly there was some sort of miscommunication in the process or something. <laughs> Yeah, so now he's going to Moto. He's going to have a chance to fight for the number one spot because their number one goalie, Tex Williamson, his name is Tex. Great awesome. name. Yep. Uh, is out So for a little bit with COVID. So he's going to be missing a couple of games. So uh, Henrik Tegan is going to get a chance. He might play 
they don't have a game today. I was told they had a game Wednesday, but they did not play today. So I don't know what happened there. Uh, but he's going to be playing soon. He's going to get some game time. So we'll see what happens. But um, yeah, looking forward to see what he does uh, with, with Moto. That's for sure. Okay. G- going to keep an eye on that for sure. The other thing is that we've got new line mates for Alex Jeffries. He's got two Ooh. guys coming in on a transfer from Alaska University. I think the one guy, one guy so it's Newton and Jandrick. I believe Newton is not coming directly from Alaska, even though he did play there. Um, or it's Jandrick. Either way, one of them is not coming directly from Alaska, but they did play together, these two players, and are now going to come and play on a top six line with Alex Jeffries, who had 10 points in 12 games with Merrimack. So I, I'm looking forward to that. Jeffries is an exciting prospect, but a short sample size. So I'm really looking forward to him having a full year and, and playing well, hopefully. Yeah, uh, that's definitely someone that I feel like we, we want to keep an eye on with him. Um, I feel like, correct me if I'm wrong, maybe I'm thinking of a, of a different prospect, but I feel like he's put up decent numbers scoring-wise now. He did post or or pre NCAA. He was on fire in prep league. Uh, But when he came to the NCAA last year, he he was still really good playing top six power play penalty kill. And then he got injured and it just kind of, obviously the season stopped. That's not uncommon though, for, for guys to go to the NCAA and the scoring to dry up a little bit. Right, exactly. So I'm I'm not too worried about him at all. Um, But um, it, 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 I'm looking forward to seeing what happens this year. Usually what happens when kids go to the NCAA, it's because they're playing like fourth or third line. Like Cameron Burke, it's an Islanders third round pick, was going from prep school to NCAA, or sorry, USHL to NCAA. And he's playing on the fourth line for Omaha, Nebraska. That's what happens usually. And it takes a while for them to get a top role, kind of like Colin Adams. Right. But that hasn't been the case for Alex Jeffries. He came in right out of prep school, right to the NCAA, and right into the top six in all three situations. That is impressive AF for a true freshman. Yeah. No, that's good stuff. I like that. I like to hear that. And doing well, right? Again, 10 points in 12 games, not just some sort of slouch out there. No. Yeah, that's good production. So... Um, that's about it when it comes to down on the farm. We had some players go back um, through waivers, so we're going to wait to see what happens with them, right? Like Otto Koivlas, D- yep. Dimitri Timoshaz, Andreoff. We're going to see what happens with them. We'll know sometime around tw- between 12 and 2 o'clock if anyone gets claimed. I think of all the players that are waived by the Islanders, I think Koivlas got the the best chance of being picked up through waivers. Yeah, probably. I don't think he gets picked up, but probably yeah i don't think so either but who knows like we see a lot of names go through there and like some random names getting picked up on waiver wire so we'll see um also last thing the bridgeport islanders have signed a couple of players they signed two goalies and they signed a forward i just picked that that just came across my desk right before okay uh, we went live so it's uh, I'm just getting the names here. Paul Thompson, who's a forward who played for Hartford. That's a former. That's the New York Rangers uh, AHL squad. And then John Gillies, he was on the team for the training camp. And Luke Cohen have been added to the Bridgeport Islanders roster. So we'll see what happens with the goalies because that's now four goalies, including Ken Appleby and Jakub Skarik, in the AHL. So um, things to look at here. Um, of course, some of those guys could go to the AHL, the ECHL, 
but I believe that the Railers already have goalies. I'm just looking that up right meow as we speak. That was my next question is, is that something that could be moved to the ECHL? Any of those guys? Probably one of them. They got one guy already, Justin Kaplmaster, uh, signed on the roster. So I'm sure that'll kind of fill out as the year goes on. All right. Good to know. So that's it for down on the farm. To the quiz. Let's go. As we do every week, I have a mystery New York Islander for you, Matt. You have five clues to guess who he is. They get progressively easier as we go. Are you ready? Yes. Last week was tough. You got me good. Last week was tough. This one should be... You'll get this one, I'm pretty sure. Okay. Uh, Clue number one. I'm from Hull, Quebec. Next. Two. I played for Drummondville, Syracuse, and Salzburg as far as teams that are not in the NHL. Hmm. Okay. Next. I'm currently on my ninth NHL team. Ninth. Mm-hmm. She's been around on a bunch of teams. Current player or former player? Former player. Okay. Okay. Don't have a guess yet, but... Mitch loved, says clue number four, Mitch loved hearing my French accent alongside, Jean, alongside sorry, Jean-Gabriel Pajot. Derek Broussard? Yes! There we go. <laughs> there you go. Uh, my fifth one was, I was a bad center, but good winger for the Isles. <laughs> there you go. That would have given it to me. Love it. Derek Broussard, I, he came out just because they played the Flyers recently and the name stuck out. Okay, there you go. Yes, short-lived Islander Derek Brassard. For what? Just yeah, just that one year, right? Just that one year, right? And did not do very well. He was very good on the wing, playing with Brock and Co., but not so much playing center on the third line. Yeah, absolutely. Let's get to the social now. What's going around on Isles Twitter this week? Um, I'm seeing that this one is just coming across. It happened 32 minutes ago, and it's uh, from Dan Cruz, who says dedication at its finest, indeed. Thanks to Devil Rose Tattoo for doing this piece. And it's a New York Islanders logo in black and white right on the bicep. I just saw that. That's a nice looking tattoo. I love it. I I will say this. For someone who has a bunch of tattoos, I'm sure some of that hurt really bad. The part between the bicep and the tricep, that little line there. So like find your bicep, you listener at home. Go to the bottom of it. You'll find there's that little empty space there between the bicep and the bottom of your, your where your tricep is. For me, it's basically the bottom of my arm because I have no muscles. Um, and that part there hurts bad. Do you have that area tattooed? On both arms. Okay. And that's a tender spot. It is not fun at all. I'd rather tattoo into meat or bone even. Like I have both of my elbows done. And like tattooing into either the elbow, you've got to be there forever because of the, the bumpy skin on the elbow and it's right into bone, it is more comfortable to do that, for me at least, than that line between the bicep and the tricep. That part kills. Okay. Good to know. Yeah, for all you tattoo prospectors out there, I guess, <laughs> looking to get your next piece. Uh, my first one comes from T Fagan 40 uh, on Twitter. He says, didn't see that one coming, and he adds... Ryan Reeves as he hops in to take a picture and unzips his sweatshirt and there's an Islanders jersey underneath. If I'm not mistaken, that is a patron. 
Really? Because we had a message on the Patreon today when I logged in from uh, Thomas Fagan saying, just bringing it up here, uh, got a great video of me dummying Ryan Reeves today and oh sent me the link to it. Dude. It is indeed Thomas Fagan. EOI patron nonetheless. Love That's it. Right. That, that video made the rounds. That was awesome, dude. Good stuff. That that was good. Ryan Reese took it in like he he smiled and he's like I'm done <laughs> I'm out of here. He was a, he was a good sport about it. I feel like yeah. Like what are you supposed to do? Is Ryan Reese like okay you got me cool I'm gonna go on and sign the other ones. Yeah. And I, I yeah it was good. Uh, my next one here comes from well it, it's coming from James from James Nichols but it it's not necessarily uh, <laughs> it's from uh, my God Ellie Friedman. And it's just the first mention I could see of it here. It says the Islanders have avoided putting Ross Johnson on waivers. They know there'd be interest. Is this the next coming of Jean-Francois Berube? <laughs> I this is I'm glad you brought this up, Mitch, because I wrote about it today. Mm-hmm. Uh, am I stand? I think it's something that you're going to agree with, but I don't think the Islanders should be making roster decisions based off the fear of someone picking up Ross Johnson on waivers or not. That seems I- crazy to me. It does. I get the idea that, well, if Matt Martin is a good to go, we want Matt Martin 2.0 because when we have Matt Martin, we do well. Okay, it's not to say that Matt Martin wins all of our games, but, you know, he's an important part of our lineup. But to say, like, oh, if if we keep this guy, who else are we going to lose? If it's like, let's say we lose Richard Ponick or Michael Del Cole, all right, fine. I, I know some of you are going to be like, but Richard Ponick is a better player. Fine, but he's still a marginal player. He's still on the margins yeah. on this roster, but you can't be like, we got to keep this guy. You know, it's it's 12 Fords and Ross Johnston, and then we got, what else are we going to do? No, no, you can't be handcuffed because of Ross Johnston necessarily. Well, I, I already feel like it's 12 forwards and Kiefer Bellows because I, I don't think you want to send him through waivers. So really, if, if your choices, I wouldn't feel comfortable with Bellows and... Um, Ross Johnston as my extra forwards. You know why? Neither why? of those could play wing uh, center. They're both wingers. <laughs> That's true. We don't have depth center at all right now. I that <laughs> The Islanders made me make a case to keep Leo Komarov today. That's that's where we are at this because at least with Leo, he could play center and he's he's more valuable than Ross cuz he kills penalties. Like I I know that that's that's like my running joke. Like he's only here because he kills penalties, but as an extra forward, like I would much rather have that than what Ross Johnston brings to the table. Yeah, it, cuz it's like having Yannick Perrault on your roster. And if anyone who knows anything about Yannick Perrault, is his big strength was taking faceoffs, and like I know the Montreal Canadiens would do this, they would just run him out there, like take a draw, get back to the bench. I don't know Jean Gabriel Pajot does that for sure, uh, but but Yannick Perrault was, you play like ten minutes a night type of thing and take draws because you win them sixty percent of the time. Um, you can't have a guy that's like let's have you on the roster just in case you need to fight someone. Fights are very few and far between in the NHL nowadays. Like it's not that that big of a deal. Uh, obviously, of course, like Ross Johnson is one of the better ones out there to do that. Um, and if you want an intimidating presence out there, Ross Johnson is certainly a guy to do so. But you're right. You can't handicap your lineup because you're like, what if we have to fight someone? Look at the Rangers, right? That's exactly what they did to their entire roster. And, and look, and Ryan Reeves looks like he got hurt tonight. <laughs> it looks like he got slew footed pretty bad. 
Right. That's rough. I I hate to see that. And I'm only laughing not because he's hurt. I the don't irony. want to see any player. Get, it's just you laugh at the, the idea that they built their roster to be like, we're going to be tough. And then they like lose their tough guy right away. Oh, but I, that's got to be that. But, that's rough. But that's what could happen. Like, that's the risk that you're taking. And what, how many times, one, how many games would you think Ross Johnson would play? Best case scenario, 15? Yeah, I was going to say 10, 10, 12, but you're right. Yeah, let's round it up to 15 type of thing. Even if he plays 15 games, how many fights do you think that is? Two, max. Yeah, two or three. Talk yeah. about two or three instances in an 82-game season, plus playoffs. He's not getting in the playoffs. There's no chance in hell. No. I I. I I don't like the idea of like we have to do right like do a Jean a Jean Francois Berube where you're like we have to keep this guy now what do we do I do appreciate the idea like well we don't have Matt Martin you're like okay well fine fine that that's all right but like outside of that if you have Matt Martin you don't need Ross Johnson anymore yes agree and is a different conversation I think if Martin starts the year on IR then fine because then. Um, you have Ross Johnson on on the roster, and you get that extra space anyway. So, right, exactly. So, yeah, I'm not. I I wouldn't worry too much about losing Ross Johnson on waivers. Like honestly, that's that's a, a million dollars you're losing, right? Like you can bring someone else in. Like I don't know anyone else who's on a league minimum deal. Come on here. Yeah, that's saving two hundred fifty thousand dollars. I know. Uh, preaching to the choir. My last one uh, is from Isles on MSG Plus. It's happy birthday, Ryan Pollock, and it's his play against the Tampa Bay Lightning, the mm. game-saving play in Game 4. Um, I, I Well, first of all, happy birthday to Ryan Pollock. Uh, hopefully he gets a nice contract extension as a belated birthday present uh, in the next few months here. I th- there's no way right that you can think of any other play besides this one when you're thinking of him. I I, I maybe breaking the glass somewhere in practice, but like that's practice. We talk about practice on that one, uh, but no, it's definitely got it. That's such a clutch move in a clutch situation, right? Like the game's on the line, and he pulls that out. Incredible. Ryan McDonough is seeing that in his nightmares the rest of his life. Like we see monsters in our right in our nightmares, he sees Ryan Pollock go down and put his stick on the ice. That, that's gotta be like if you're to make a a Mount Rushmore of Islanders moments post dynasty, that's gotta be on the list, right? That's gotta be a top four. It has to be. It really, it really does. Like, it, just think of the move. Remember the move that Ryan McDonough pulls. He goes full Denis Savard, turns around, spinorama, fires a backhand on the net, and then Ryan Pollock out of nowhere, like just essentially freeze frame what you're looking at, and then do like a, a dumb gif, right, where you just like splice in some dumb picture of Ryan Pollock just kind of like on the ice. No, <laughs> that's exactly what happened. Right, like all uh, now, all I can think of is Jurassic Park. Like he didn't say the magic word. Ha ha. That's exactly <laughs> what he did, and like Ryan McDonough thought he had one. Yeah, and he steals it. Incredible. Yeah, that was absolutely wild. So, uh, just wanted to bring that up because any excuse I have to talk about that, I I will. Absolutely, no, one hundred percent. So happy birthday to him. Do you think he signs an extension in the in in the season? Because he's up, right? Like they could sign. What's that? Is it January 1st they can sign a new deal? Yes. Um, hmm. 
Uh, I'm gonna say no. If it was Garth, yes. Garth would love the mid-season extension. Lived for him. Uh, Lou? Have we seen the mid-season extension from Lou? I don't think so. I don't think so. Uh, You've got time, take it. JG Pajot. That's the only one. But does that count? I guess not, right? Like, I think it literally does, because it is mid-season, but like, my God, like... Anyways, you're right. So... I just I saw a Pierre LeBrun piece where he says like the top five or I think top ten players who are likely to sign an extension during the season and Ryan Pollock's name didn't appear and I wasn't surprised I didn't think he would but it was also surprising to see like that's really the only player that could make the list like Cal Clutterbuck probably not Leo Komarov definitely not no um and I'm not saying that I think this is Pollock's last year either I just think he's gonna be. I don't know, like Casey Zekas. He's going to have a deal under the table that we're not going to know about for forever. Until the start of next <laughs> Until, year. <laughs> Until like day one of the regular season. Yeah. So with that, let's get some plugs in here before we go. So wherever you're listening to the show, please make sure to subscribe, give a rating and review. That really helps us out a lot. We appreciate all the love and support. Uh, you can follow along with us on social media at eyes on aisles FS on Twitter. My Twitter is Matt O'Leary, and why Mitch is at T-L-O Mitch. Facebook, facebook.com slash Eyes on Isles. You can get your stuff over there, too. Uh, on the fan-sided app at Eyes on Isles. Um, on the website, eyesonisles.com for articles. And check out the Patreon. Season's coming up. You're going to get post-game podcasts after every single game, all 82. If they make the playoffs after every single playoff game, a weekly mailbag show, a Discord channel, a whole bunch of stuff going on over there. Five bucks a month, patreon.com slash eyes on aisles. I think that's it, right, Mitch? That is everything. Yeah, definitely hit up that patron. Regular season getting underway soon, and that means post-game content after every single Islander game. Let's go. That's going to do it for us. I'm Matt O'Leary. He is Mitch Anderson, and we'll talk to you next time. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.